that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord your God made a covenant with us in Haran. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with all of those of us living a life here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire, while I was standing to the Lord and you at the time, to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain. <clears throat> he said. Okay. So we have here this uh, idea of Moses is speaking to these Israelites at this point in time, telling them, here are the statutes, here are the laws. Now, he emphasizes the idea that this covenant between God and the people was not simply something of the past. This was not just something that had happened back then. This was something that was for these people at this time. Now, it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, uh, Michael Jordan didn't play basketball. He lived basketball. Now, does that mean Michael Jordan didn't actually play basketball? He played basketball. But, but it means, it's saying more than that. But he says, he didn't put this covenant with your fathers, but with you. He's not saying that the covenant wasn't with their fathers. But the point is, it's not something just in the past. God speaks today to this generation in this covenant. That's really his point. Every generation, in principle, stands at Mount Sinai, confronted by the covenant commands, as if for the first time. That, that's really his point. So he's saying, this is the law, this is the message for you. And he's brought us right up to now him explaining those uh, commandments for us. Thoughts and comments about that. Alright, let's start looking at the commandments. In a, a little bit, I, I may try to uh, put a chart up, but I may wait till after uh, we've eaten to do that. But, uh, but I like for us to look at some of these. So when somebody reads 6 through uh, 15. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven, above, or on earth beneath, or on the water, under the earth. You shall not worship them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children, and on the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes the name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, as the Lord your God commands you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your, or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand, by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I think verse 6 is interesting. When God wants to define himself, he defines himself not in, in terms of some abstraction, but in terms of what he did. He is the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. That's the way we know God. We know God so much by what He has done. And He says, here are the laws. The Ten Commandments seem to be sort of the basis for the covenant. And so, what are they? 
Well, first of all, you shall have no other gods before me. Protecting God's identity. He allows no ri- other rival, uh, you know, wor- worship of any other god is a betrayal of the relationship with God. Second commandment protects God's nature. It's this idea of not having any image that we worship God under. Uh, no visible representation would ever do justice to God. Think about it. God's incomparable. So what would you make that would compare to God? Nothing. You know, he's living. How could an inanimate object represent God? You know, God speaks. How could a mute image do justice to God? And so forth and so on. The things you see about God's nature really show that, that God is not able to be represented by an image. And uh, God is a jealous God. He will punish. Now, his love outweighs his retribution. So he punishes to the third and fourth generation of those who hate him, but shows love and kindness to the thousands, to those who love him. You know, notice he's not punishing the children for what the parents have done. It's of those who hate him. But, but his, his, he wants to bless much more than he wants to punish. So you've got God's identity, God's nature. Then you've got God's name in verse 11. You know, our society feel, feels the liberty to use God's name and almost manipulate God's name for personal ends. You know, and use it in trivial ways. I mean, one thing, obviously, they would just take God's name in vain, and they do it without batting eyes. Outrageous. And totally wrong. Because it shows a lack of respect for God and what His name means. But it's more than just that. There are so many ways that people will manipulate the Lord and His name for some personal end. You know, linking God's name to some selfish human purpose. Uh, you know, some human enterprise trying to, to do it in the name of God. You know, religious organizations use God's name a lot of times for, for their own advantage. Uh, people use the name of God as some kind of a lucky charm, kind of like a genie to uh, serve us. There's a lot of ways of disrespecting the name of God. So it's helpful for us to think about that. So you've got God's identity, God's nature, God's name, and then God's day. You know, he, he has got this special day where he wanted them not to work and to rest and to remember him. Work can easily become an idol. It can dominate our lives. It can define us. And it can take God's place. And so he wanted there to be a day that they would have rest from work. You know, all people, even the slaves and so forth, all classes, he reminds them that they used to be slaves in Egypt. And when they were slaves in Egypt, the oppressive Egyptians allowed no rest. There wasn't wasn't the opportunity for them to rest while they were in Egypt. So uh, this was just a great opportunity that God was giving, a day a week where they could have a reprieve from the hard work that sin had brought upon them. And they could rest. So this was God's day. So those were the four commandments that that most closely relate to the Lord Himself. The other six will be more in line with our relationship with other people. (coughs) Comments and thoughts to verse 15. Austin. The the way that he's described in verse 6, you know, we do that. We say the Lord who sent His Son who brought us out of, you know, sin in that bondage. And, and so it's it's the same kind of concept that, that we 
we talk about God in that way and how much more so we should talk about God because of the fact that he redeemed us from our sins. Amen. Yeah, it's a very appropriate way for us to think about the Lord. So. All four of us really represent the Lord. We think about himself saving us, and then his nature is mercy. And then um, the third one, the name is Lord. And then the fourth one would be the special day or the, you know, the Lord's day. So I think all four of us would be represented in Jesus. Sure, yeah. They teach us a lot about the Lord, that these were the things that he really wanted them to focus on. Oh, the, the one I was thinking of the rest. Yes. That Jesus gives us rest. Amen. Other thoughts? Yep. About the uh, tabernacle and temple, there is obviously no image of God himself, but there seems to be an emphasis on lots of gold and even decorations and things, trying to make a physical thing worthy of God. Um, how does that relate to I don't think it, I don't think we ought to think that we shouldn't give God the best we can, and often that was physical in the Old Testament, where it's more spiritual in the New. It's the idea that we just can't make something and say that represents God to us and bow down to. It. Other thoughts or comments? Yes, Alex. When we think about you know, the, six, the seventh day of, of no work and, and the rest, it's not just not working that's restful, it's getting closer to God and their relationship with God that constitutes that rest. Sure, sure. And for us, our rest is really our release from the burden of sin. We, we have the fulfillment of the Sabbath day in Christ. <laughs> Other thoughts? Yes, right. This finding uh, God by the image and then also by his name. It's interesting too, Moses sees him in the burning bush, he, he says, What name? Who are you? And I go back. It's that same I am. He's always defined by his actions, where Austin said too. I can't help but think when, when, when Jesus is here, he says, They'll know you're my disciples by your love. It's not by some symbol that he wears, it's by our actions again. James picks that up even further. Yeah, great point. Yeah, amen. How's it going? Okay, I'm going to pause this for a moment. We need to do a few things here uh, before.